Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey everybody, this is CJ back probably a lot sooner than any of you expected with another dose of Dangerous History, this time a microdose. And the part of this little episode is going to be the audio version that I recently wrote and then also recorded the audio version of for Sal Mayweather, a.k.a. Sal Viagras, latest book, Three Books That Changed the World, which is all about three different novels published in the early 20th century that all had a major influence on what I would call American progressivism version 1.0. And I won't list off the three books here. I'll let myself tell it to you in the audio version of the intro to the audiobook in just a moment. But Sal wrote this concise little book about these three books and their backstory and their influence, in part inspired by a lot of the work I've done on Woodrow Wilson and other things, you know, related to progressivism version 1.0. And he invited me to write the introduction to the book and then to narrate the audio version of that introduction that I wrote. And so I was more than happy to do so, and then I asked him if I could share it with you all, with my DHP audience, as a little mini-episode. So that's what I'm going to do here. And I also just want to mention that I am available now for freelance work, and this was one of those freelance projects I've been picking up lately. So if you like what you hear in this episode and you have a use for some of my skills, I would love to hear from you about it. Remember, I both wrote this introduction that you're going to hear in a moment, and then I also made the audio version of it myself. So I am available for freelance work in terms of writing. I have extensive experience in writing both fiction and nonfiction. I have had, I think, 17 short stories published in various venues. And I've also written academic work and articles and things in addition to Writing the scripts, I mean, I don't stick to them rigidly all the time, but writing the highly detailed notes and outlines for, you know, the big solo narrative history episodes that I do. So you can hire me for writing. You can also hire me for proofreading and editing of, you know, something that you wrote that you want to have, you know, an experienced set of eyes from someone who has extensive education and experience in proper writing technique and who spent years, among other things, proofreading, giving feedback, and then eventually grading student research papers and things like this. So if you've got something you've written, you know, for your business or your job or some project you're working on or whatever, and you would like to have somebody check it over and fix any errors, grammar mistakes, fix awkward wordings, all that kind of stuff, I'm available for that as well. 
In addition, I'm available for any kind of voiceover work, audio recording type of work, for things like narration, you know, for some reason you really like my voice and think it would be good for, like, if you were making a documentary video or something like that, or to narrate an audiobook or something like that, I'm available as well. And then I'm also available for audio editing. If you've already recorded some spoken word audio and you would like me to edit it for you, clean it up, fix it up, make it sound good, I can do that as well. And of course, I'm available for combinations of those things, depending on what project you need help with. So I set up a page on my website for this purpose it is profcj.org slash freelance. That's profcj.org slash freelance. I will also link to it in the show notes of this episode. So if you've got a job that you would like my help on, use that contact form on that page. Send me a message. Give me as much information as you can up front about what it is you're looking for, what you'd like me to do, any particular specifications of the project if you have them, and then I'll do my best to get back to you. Maybe I'll have follow-up questions for clarification or something, but then I'll do my best uh, to give you an estimate and a time frame. So anyway, wanted to make sure that you all were aware of that and all of that said, I am now going to turn it over to the audio version of my introduction to Three Books That Changed the World by Sal Mayweather. And again, if you like what you hear, keep me in mind for any writing, proofreading, editing, voiceover recording, audio editing, etc. for any needs you might have. Thank you. This is a book about books, which is fitting because so-called public intellectuals are one of the three groups of people from which the ideology that came to be known as progressivism emerged. The other two are certain factions of the professional political class, as well as many of the biggest corporate oligarchs in the American business world. In other words, contrary to the bottom-up narrative that you're often given by standard academic coverage of its origins. Progressivism began very much as a top-down, esoteric, elitist, paternalistic, technocratic belief system, an exoteric version of which was only gradually inculcated into many, though not all, of the American masses. It's important to understand what progressivism really is, where it has led America so far, and where it could continue to lead America going forward, because progressivism has been the dominant and default political ideology of the American establishment since at least 1912, if not earlier. This ideology has also been overwhelmingly dominant in both academia and what we euphemistically call journalism or news. More correctly, propaganda, since at least the turn of the last century, and it has also been the dominant and default ideology of corporate entertainment, by which I mean the mainstream, big-budget movie and TV industries. 
And in general, when looking at major corporations and those who run them, the larger a corporation is, the more its middle and upper level personnel will likely adhere to some version of progressivism. Because of its dominance of these and other key institutions, both nominally public and nominally private, in the U.S. for over a century, it has also become the default ideological setting for average people, but particularly college-educated ones who don't think too much about politics and philosophy at all. In other words, if you're a typical midwit with an IQ that's slightly above average and a lot of higher education, and especially if you're a very agreeable, go-with-the-flow conformist type, as most people are, the odds are over 90% that by the time you're fully into adulthood, you will be an archetypal default liberal, someone who mouths the platitudes and talking points of the American establishment without even the slightest hint of independent thought. American progressivism is simply not what most people, including most rank-and-file progressives, think it is. The truth is that progressivism is an elitist, paternalist, technocratic, corporatist, authoritarian, militaristic, and imperialistic political ideology. And though many of its loudest proponents for nearly a century have claimed to be zealous anti-fascists, when looked at objectively, it's not at all hyperbolic to say that, despite some rhetorical differences, progressivism in practice often looks quite fascistic. Aside from its corporatism, authoritarianism, militarism, and imperialism, progressivism also shares with fascism an appreciation of and heavy reliance on modern propaganda techniques to achieve its ends. Since progressivism has dominated American academia for over a century, it's not surprising that most scholarly coverage of the first generation of progressives is overwhelmingly positive. However, since the mid-20th century, there have been notable revisionists who challenged this rosy interpretation of progressivism and have characterized it more in the terms I've used above. Revisionist work on this topic began with some new left historians, like Gabriel Kolko, and was carried forward from there by many great libertarian scholars, most notably Murray Rothbard. What Sal Mayweather has done in three books that changed the world is to offer a very concise introduction to the real history of American progressivism through three fictional novels of the first progressive era, each of which contributed significantly to ensconcing progressivism as the dominant default ideology of the various institutions that comprise the American establishment and which began to popularize it among at least some of the middle and working classes in the U.S., the Jungle helped to popularize the idea of the U.S. federal government getting involved in heavily regulating an industry, supposedly in the interest of consumers, but in reality in order to cartelize that industry on behalf and to the benefit of the largest firms in it. 
This was first implemented in meatpacking, but was soon done in other industries as well. Philip Drew, administrator, put forward the notion of a political revolution replacing the American constitutional system with something more to progressives' liking. It helped its author, quote-unquote Colonel Edward M. House, become a top advisor to Woodrow Wilson, who then as president carried out a revolution within the form that resulted in the real-life implementation of many of the reforms depicted in the novel. Lastly, Christine, a British World War I propaganda novel that initially masqueraded as nonfiction, was very influential in nudging the U.S. toward intervening in that conflict on the side of the Allies. And American intervention in that war not only resulted in over a century of negative consequences that cost the lives of countless millions of people and entire regions of the world being politically and economically dysfunctional to this day, it also allowed the progressives to go much further with their domestic agenda of corporatism, statism, and authoritarianism than they ever would have been able to in the absence of the perfect crisis, opportunity, justification, alibi that the war provided. In the short book that follows, Sal tells the origin story of each of these novels, analyzes their techniques and effectiveness as works of political propaganda, and thereby illuminates some key aspects of the real origin story of American progressivism itself. C.J. Kilmer, former college history professor and host of the Dangerous History Podcast. (laughs) 